Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. Well, hey, church family. It was so great to see some of you this past week at our worship night, at our reset worship night, to have some voices in the room singing, kind of lifting their voices to Jesus together. Uh, it was just so great. I, I could feel kind of the spiritual momentum just building for us. You know, I'm like, I'm so ready for us to gather back together and do that regularly every single week. But it just, uh, it's just amazing to see what God is doing despite our inability to do that. Like God is building something in us. He's forming something in us. And so it was just great. Uh, just felt like a little bit of a release. And I'm so looking forward to that. Our next one is going to be after Easter. Uh, and, and so we're looking forward to, to doing that together. And hey, and I just want to say to those of you who are watching, especially those of you basically been doing this week in and week out, you are awesome. Thanks for your resilience. Thanks for sticking in there with us through this time. Thanks for just showing up. We know that this is not how God has wired us to do things long term. So it's not our heart to do so, but, but it's so great that you're just sticking with it, that you are, are taking whatever it is that you can do to learn how to love God and learn how to follow Jesus and to be in community to the degree that you can. So just, hey, give yourself a pat on the back this morning, man. God sees you and he sees what you're doing to pursue him. And so, uh, so it's just, uh, it's just a, a privilege to be able to serve uh, this, this church family in this way. So I also, I wanna say, um, if, if you've been watching us, uh, and kind of connecting with us online, but we don't know you, we would love to get to know you. So please text the word welcome to the number that's on the screen right now so that we can get to know you better because uh, we would love to get connected, hear your story, kind of connect you with our story. Uh, so, so please, please do that so we can get to know you a little bit better and include you in some of the things that we've got going on. And then last kind of thing in the way of the announcements is Good Friday and Easter, we will have services online uh, and there uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped. We've been praying. We've been thinking about God. What is the best way that we can tell the story of the good news of what you've done? And I think we've got some great things in the works. So watch your emails, watch social media so that you can share uh, that information with, uh, with your family, with your friends, and invite them to be a part of what we're doing. All right, cool. All right, we're going to dive into the word, but let me pray before we do. Father in heaven, I'm just so thankful for your word today thankful for uh, the ways that you have shaped and molded us by your truth, God. God, your truth is everlasting. When, when the world is challenging what is true, we know what is true. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the revelation of God. You are true theology. We know that we know that we can know what God is like because you have revealed yourself to us. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your love towards us. Thank you that, you that you love us and that you redeem us and that you haven't left us in our shame and our condemnation, but you've provided forgiveness for our sins, reconciled us to God. Jesus, you are my King. You are my Lord. We just love you. Holy Spirit, we wait with anticipation for what you're going to do today. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would create a sense of expectancy, a sense of hunger in those who are watching today, that you'll do something unique and special in every home. God, that you will, that you will create an altar in every home that you will just come and rest on and that you will, you will build up the body of Christ, that you will let your good news go forward. Spirit of God, do that today in our midst. Pray this in your name, for your sake, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we have been in this series since the beginning of the year, exploring what does it mean for God to be our first love. We've kind of defined love, and as we're talking about it here, as desire for God. So uh, I, I, I have affection for him. I want, to, I want to know more about him. And then devotion. I'm actually committed to his well-being. I'm committed to the things that he loves. That, that's what love, loving God is about, desire, and, love, and loving God is about devotion. And we've kind of been focusing on this idea, what does it mean to love God more than anything else? For him to be our first love. What does it mean to love him more than anything else? And then what does it mean for us to love him with all that we have? And that's the biblical idea. It started all the way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, where it says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then that theme is picked up by Jesus in the New Testament, uh, where he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's four pieces to that. And so we've been breaking that down a little bit. What, do each, what does it look like to love God with each one of those aspects of who we are? They're not separate components, but they kind of all sum up who we are. And Mark did such a great job. I'm so thankful for him uh, to be able to share last week what it means to love God with, with our mind. If you haven't seen that, go back and watch it. It's so good. Uh, but, but today we're going to focus in on what it means to love God with our strength. Now, I'm going to say that when we start talking about loving God with our strength, I've got a particular image that comes to mind. As a kid, uh, as a young guy, all I wanted to do when I grew up was be some kind of big muscle-bound jock. I wanted to have giant muscles and like play football or be like a wrestler or something like that. And so when I think about strength, I think about that, but I think about something even more particular. Actually, if, if you were a part of kind of Christian subculture back in the 80s and 90s, you probably heard of these guys called the power team. And these were a bunch of muscle-bound kind of meatheads who would basically lift heavy things and break stuff for Jesus as this kind of display of strength. And because I don't want you to just take my word for it, I wanted you to see a little bit about what is in my mind when I think about strength. I've got a little video right now to show you. Uh, watch this and laugh really hard. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, that is what I think about when I think about loving God with my strength. I think that is the image and the picture that comes to mind. And the truth is that 
if you are <laughs> like some muscle-bound meathead like that, loving God with all of your strength could look like that. But that's not what the biblical concept of loving God with your strength looks like, with all of your strength looks like. So all the way back in the Old Testament where it first says this, you should love the Lord your God with all of your strength. It's a really interesting word in Hebrew. Hebrew is the language that the Old Testament was written in. And that word is a funny word. It's me'od. And it actually doesn't mean strength. It's actually a word that's used as like an intensifier. So it would come alongside a word like something is good and say it's very good. It means very or much. So it would say, if you say something's good and you add this word to it, it means it's very good. Or if somebody was uh, really angry, it would, it would mean you put this word there and you would say, oh, they were very angry. It's an intensifying kind of word. Or if somebody was like, uh, had a lot of wealth, you might say they were uh, really wealthy or very wealthy. Or like, you know, maybe if you're hungry, you might say, you might not just say, hey, I'm hungry. You might say, I'm so hungry as a way to kind of intensify or, or show that, hey, I'm not just a little bit hungry. I'm like really, really hungry. Or, you know, you see the idea. It kind of amplifies or intensifies something. And so the idea in the Old Testament of loving God with your strength wasn't just that you love God with your muscles. It was that you love whatever it is that you have in your life. Whatever is in your sphere of influence, whatever, whatever you have the ability to do, that you love God intensely with that. Whatever, whatever you have, that you love God intensely with that. Whatever makes you you, whatever parts of your life that you have, that you use those pieces, those parts of who you are to love God and you do so with intensity. It's an offering with your muchness. Actually, if you want to dig into this a little bit deeper, there'll be a link in the description of the message today uh, with, a, with a link to the Bible Project video on this word. And I would encourage you to watch it. It's really good. It's short. It's like four minutes long. And it's going to explain this better than what I can right here. But in, in, this is the basic idea. It's kind of this intensifying thing. Loving God with whatever I have in a way that's kind of amplified or intensified. It's a way to refer to everything that I have. In the New Testament, when Jesus talks about this, there's a different word that's used because it's a different language. We're talking about Greek now in the New Testament. And that word takes this idea and like kind of like hones it in a little bit. It makes it a little more simple to understand. That word actually does mean strength, but it has more to do with like the ability to do something. So this is the, what we're talking about now, is the ability or the capacity to do something or to accomplish something. So for example, Jesus had the strength or the ability to cast out demons, the New Testament tells us. He had the strength or the ability to turn water into wine, or the strength or the ability or the capacity to feed 5,000 people out of a few loaves and fish. It was in, with, in his capability, it was in his capacity to do that. He was able uh, to, to walk on water. It was something that he was able to do. So the word kind of there in the New Testament, to love God with all your strength, means basically to love God with, what you, with uh, whatever you are able, whatever you have within your capacity to do. So like, let's just take this like a sidestep out of the religious world for a second and think about what, what do we have the ability to do? Well, 
is thinking about me, I have the ability to shovel snow. And I use that ability more this winter than I would care to. And I'm really thankful that hopefully we are done with that and we won't have to do that until next winter. So I have that ability. It's something I'm capable of doing. I have the ability to wash windows. So while I was going to seminary, uh, I was a window washer. Uh, it was something I didn't know how to do and I learned how to do it to make money. And so now I know, I know how to do it. I have the ability to wash windows. I have the ability to pay my mortgage this month because uh, I have a paycheck. And so it's within my capability or in my sphere of things that I have, resources that I have to be able to pay, uh, pay my, my mortgage. I can read um, uh, a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Greek because I went to seminary. It's something I have the capacity to do. So those are things that just basic non-religious things that, that I can do, that I, I have in my capacity to be able to do. There are some things I can't do. So I might be able to physically do the work, but I have no idea how to build things. Uh, ask my wife. I just, I just can't do it. I, I just don't have it in my ability to build things or really to fix things. Uh, my car like just broke down recently. I am totally lost when it comes to that. Like I, I just don't have the, my brain is not mechanically inclined. I don't have the ability to do that. I can't eat food without getting it on my shirt. Uh, ask, again, ask my wife about this. It's like, it is like not within my capacity to do, to, to, to do that. Every time I eat, somehow some of it is going to end up on my shirt. So there are some things that we can do, we have the ability to, to do. And then there are certain things that we can't do or we don't have the ability to do. So uh, when we think about strength and kind of this biblical way of thinking about it, we're not talking about muscles, although it could mean that. We're thinking about our ability. We're thinking about our capacity. We're thinking about what can I do physically, mentally, emotionally, financially? What is it within my scope of my life that I can do? And how do I love God with what I can do? How do I love God with the ability to uh, the abilities that He's given me, the things that are in my sphere of influence? Now, this is super important. All of this so far has been just kind of an exercise in unpacking to get us to kind of the meat and potatoes here. The, this is really important because everything we've said about loving God up to this point, about the mind, the heart, and the soul, can kind of reinforce this idea that loving God is primarily an internal thing. It's something I feel inside. It's, um, uh, it's something we, we, we tend to think about love and kind of associate it with my emotions or with my thoughts or my feelings. We associate it with desire and all of that's true. And, and we know that if those things are true, it will have an external expression. But with this one, loving God with all of our strength, you can't love God with all of your strength and not have it expressed somehow externally. There is no way for you to love God with all of your strength and not have it um, have some kind of tangible expression. Like, this is how love actually works in the real world. When you really love someone, that love kind of manifests in acts and gestures, like things that are physical, ways that you can demonstrate that you actually love, uh, that you love someone. It's a demonstration of the desires that are in your heart. 
With this, we're talking about like using what we have, our ability, our capacity, our muchness, like, like we talked about already, our energy, whatever, however you want to describe it in order to love God. And that is going to translate into something happening outside of us. Jesus said it this way. This is not from like the Old Testament. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will do what I command. It's like, he's saying, look, it's not enough just that you like me. It's not enough that you just appreciate who I am. Actually, if you really love me, it'll be shown by what you do. It'll be shown by you actually listening to the words that I'm telling you and follow my commands. This is what Jesus says to his disciples who, who he loves, who he's invited in to be his follower, whose grace is totally sufficient for him. He says, look, if you want to show me that you love me, you'll follow my commands. See, love has to be demonstrated externally, which is why we're being told to, we've got to love God with our strength. We're not called to just kind of a pious internal feeling of love, but to love God with all that we have, to love God with all that he's given us, with our muchness, with our intensity, with our physical energy, with our, our, our financial resources, with our mental capacity, with our physical strength, whatever it is we have, we love God with that. That's what it means to love God with our strength. So the Apostle Paul Mark read the verse that comes after this to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But right before that, the Apostle Paul says this, Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so because of what God has already done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What a cool idea that the life that we're living here in our bodies, our actual, literal, physical bodies, we're like walking, talking offerings to God. That everything that I'm doing here and now is meant to worship God. It's meant worship. When we think about worship, we're talking about uh, expressing our love to God, expressing how we appreciate who He is. We we ex- we're expressing how valuable He is. That's what worship essentially is. And what this is saying: Look in your and your actual living, not just when you do religious things, but in your actual life, your physical body, you are worshiping me. You are loving me. That's what he's saying. Offer yourself to that. Make, it, make sure that your whole life actually loves me. Love and devotion to God is more than just kind of an internal disposition. It actually, uh, it actually manifests itself in something outside of us. What we do with our body, what we do with our time, what we do with our talents, what we do with our resources, all of that means to love God with all of our strength. And another place, the Apostle Paul says it like this. This is Colossians 3. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so whether, whatever you're saying or whatever it is that you're doing, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So do everything for his sake. This is a kind of a different way of saying, hey, everything that you do, whether it's what you're saying or what you're doing, make sure that it is expressing love and devotion to God everything that you do. Again, we, we just don't think that way. And, and another place he says, whether, even if you're thinking about what you eat and what you drink, he says this in Corinthians, whatever you eat and drink, you do that to the glory of God. 
Think about that. Whatever it is I'm eating, whatever I'm putting in my body, I'm doing to the glory of God. You see, we, we kind of have created this um, sacred and secular divide where my love and my devotion to God is demonstrated when I sing songs in a worship service or I pray prayers, you know, in my devotional time or I read my Bible and everything else is something different. Well, it is true that that is kind of the bare minimum of what it means to love God to be able to read the scripture and understand what it says and apply it to your life, to be able to worship God. I mean, certainly those are acts of love and devotion, but those things were never meant to be separated from the rest of our life. Our whole entire life is meant to be expressing our love and devotion to God. We We have separated these things that God didn't mean for us to separate so that common things like eating a meal together or spending time with friends doesn't feel spiritual. What feels spiritual is when I'm sitting in church and actually, if I could just press on a, a, a point right now, I think that's one of the reasons why this season is so challenging for people is because most people associate I'm doing something spiritual or I'm doing something religious or devoted to God when I go to a building somewhere. And actually, that's never been God's heart. God's heart has always been that every moment of every day and everything that we do is meant to express love and devotion to him. So that means right now, sitting on your couch in your living room, you are loving God just as much as if you were singing and and dancing in the aisles at church. Again, don't get me wrong. I want that so bad. I promise you I want it more than you do. But right now, loving God looks like this. Right now, loving God with everything we have looks like working within the sphere of what we can do. And actually, this is, this is such a problem because when we, when we associate loving God with only specific kinds of actions, it actually makes the rest of life less sacred than what God intended it to be. And what he intended is that every moment is sacred, that everything is holy, that every moment and every breath and everything we do is meant to be offered to him. And if that's the case, it means that You're loving God when you go to work and you do a good job. You're loving God when you pay your bills. You're loving God when you're parenting your children. You can even love God in the intimacy of your bedroom with your husband or with your wife. You can love God by taking care of yourself and going to the gym. You can love God by mowing your lawn. It's all meant to be for him. It's all meant to be for him. I know this, again, this might seem like a foreign idea, but, but God intended that every second of our day, every minute, whether we're conscious of it or not, is being offered back to him. Everything that God has put in your possessions, every, every resource that God has given you, every breath that he's put in your lungs is meant to be breathed back to him. It's meant to be given back to him as an expression of love and devotion. So getting really practical then, to love God with all of my strength means that whatever I have, whatever talents, whatever kind of time, whatever kind of treasure I have, I use all of my resources, all to do things that I know will delight God's heart. One of the ways that I express my love to my wife or to express my love to my kids is just to do things that I know will bring delight to their heart. Do things I know that will bring a smile to their face. Do things I know that that make their life better. 
do things I know that they value. So it's taking all the stuff that I have and I'm all orienting that towards God in order to do things that delight his heart and do things to, to honor what he values. That's why um, we started out this whole, whole series way back in the fall about loving our neighbor. Jesus puts these things together. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself because loving God looks like loving your neighbor. They're so interconnected because God cares about the people who are around you. And so loving God looks like loving your neighbor sometimes. Loving God looks like paying your bills, or like I said, going to work, or parenting your kids, or visiting a neighbor that's in need. It, it, there, it, there, there's no limits here on this, because it's all about what is in your capacity to do. What do you have the ability and the capacity to do? Love God with that. Love God with that. So let me give you a couple examples of what I mean. So these are kind of high examples. Last year, Jen and I had the opportunity to meet a guy uh, who was uh, formerly kind of um, a sketch artist in the car industry. He would draw up mock designs for vehicles before they would hit the road and before they would go into manufacturing. He was really good at his job. But one day he felt this prompting from the Lord uh, that there was a homeless man that lived, that was kind of lived outside of his house, kind of in the neighborhood. He would call him his neighbor even though he didn't have a home. And he felt this prompting from the Lord to go one day and ask this guy if he could paint his portrait, to use his artistic ability to paint a portrait of this man the way that God sees him. So he went to the guy and he asked him, would it be okay if I painted your portrait and I want to paint you the way I think that God sees you? And a man uh, uh, protested, but eventually kind of said, okay, yeah, no problem. And he said, I'll give you the painting. I don't want anything for it. This is just for you. I want to paint you, see you the way that God sees you. So he paints this beautiful portrait, this incredible picture. Um, and um, and, and as, he's, as he's doing this, he, he realizes, I have never used my talents in this way before. I've never done this before. And so he finishes the portrait and goes to give it to the man. Um, and the man basically says, I, you know, what am I going to do with it? I don't have anywhere to take it. And so they begin this conversation and realizes that maybe he could sell that painting and give the proceeds of the painting in order to help this person kind of get on their feet and establish some different ways and different healthy patterns of life. And so he does. He takes that painting to auction, uh, sells it off. And this sparks a brand new ministry where the guy now full-time is painting portraits of homeless people in the Los Angeles area, taking those paintings and selling those proceeds and then uh, and taking the paintings and then using those proceeds from those paintings to help people in their community. That is a way that he's loving God with what he is capable of doing. He was using his ability and his energy before to completely just serve his own ends, and then he turns it all towards loving God in this way. Another story. I've got a friend who uh, is an incredible athlete, plays tennis. Well, before, uh, many, many years ago when he was a tennis player, he was able to keep up with the best. Well, then he had a really bad, tragic kind of accident and he was left with a quite a few different disabilities. He can walk, but not really well. And so he was basically more or less bound to a wheelchair for getting around too much. And he decided that what he wanted to do was actually become a wheelchair uh, tennis athlete to try to compete as a disabled athlete. 
And so he tried to apply his skill through a lot of hard work and a lot of energy. He was able to do that and has built himself up slowly so that he's one of the best disabled kind of wheelchair tennis athletes in the world right now, actually working towards becoming a Paralympic um, athlete and playing at the Paralympics, other people in tennis. But the amazing thing isn't that he has done that. It's actually the way that every time he has an opportunity to go into a place and tell his story or talk to people, he can't help himself but talking about how God has gotten him through this incredible difficult time. And were it not for Jesus, he wouldn't be where he is. And he shares the good news of who Jesus is every time he goes and plays tennis somewhere. More than that, he's not just using the, sharing the gospel, he's actually expressing the gospel in tangible ways because he's helping these different tennis clubs uh, around our area and beyond to actually be more accommodating to disabled athletes and people who need wheelchairs to get in and out. And he's actually advocating for justice for these people to be able to be a part of these tennis clubs. The amazing thing about that story is this is a person who many people would say, look at how this disability kept you from doing something. But instead he said, look, this is what I'm able to do. (laughs) What I'm able to do is play tennis in this wheelchair and share the good news. And I'm going to do it with excellence and abundance. And God has totally opened these incredible doors for him to share the good news. That is loving God with all of his strength. Maybe you don't have um, this incredible talent like that. I don't either. (laughs) What I have to to offer is that I spent a lot of time studying the Bible. I spent a lot of time reading books about theology, and I spent a lot of time studying people. And so, so I can apply what I have here in this context with this church family. But even then, it doesn't have to be anything like that. Loving God can actually look like really mundane kinds of things. So for example, I absolutely hate washing dishes. Hate washing dishes. I don't know what it is, but I just despise it. I'd rather clean a toilet than wash, than wash dishes any day. Now I can clean those dishes and do so begrudgingly um, because I know it needs to be done and I know it will make my wife happy, but I can do it with a bad attitude. Or... I can say this is an opportunity to love God while I'm doing this mundane task that I truthfully don't care to do. What does that look like? It looks like as I'm washing dishes, instead of complaining about having to do it, instead, I think about the food that was on these plates that God put in our house. Think about the ways that he's provided for our family. When we had no money and we didn't know where our next kind of meal was going to come from next week, because that has happened to us before. We weren't sure how are we going to buy groceries next week and keep the lights on. We don't know how this is all going to work out. When I can wash those dishes, I can say, God, thank you so much for putting this food on our table. Thank you so much that our fridge is full. And more than that, we have food to give away to people. I can wash those dishes and I can say, God, thank you for that. And that can look like loving God in this mundane task that I'd rather not do. And the truth is you could go through every single thing that you put your energy and your time to every single day, and you could find different ways to love God in it, whatever it is that you have. So what do you have that you could love God with? What are you capable of? What's in your ability? Are you a musician or a painter or a writer Or maybe you're really good at organizing. Maybe you're really good at cleaning things. Maybe you're really good, maybe you're a great athlete 
or a great coach. Uh, maybe, maybe God's given you wisdom financially. Maybe he's given you favor and he's given you a lot of financial resources. Whatever it is that God has given you, he's given you so that you can love him with it. Whatever it is. Whatever you're good at, God has given to you so that you could love him with it. Guarantee it. Lastly, here's kind of where we're going to bring it home. Loving God with all of your strength is more than just finding that one thing that you can do, although it is that. That's a great starting point. Think about what it is that I can do. What do I have to offer? What is it that I put my energy into that maybe I can do better than people around me? What is it that I have a passion for? I can love God with this. Maybe you're just a, maybe maybe you're, um, you're in a position where where right now you're stuck at home, <laughs> and and, I, and and especially all you moms out there and you dads who are staying home with your kids. I totally I, I feel for you so much. I know it's been really really difficult, but maybe that's all you've got right now is to be the best mom or the best dad that you can possibly be, to be the best stay at home teacher. Do it to the glory of God. Do it in, in thanksgiving and honor and praise to Him. So it's important to think about that one thing, but it's actually important to think about something else. It's more than just taking that one thing that you can do to love God. It's actually more about taking all of the talent and all of the treasure and all of your time, all the stuff that you are capable of, every, all of your energy, all of your resources, all of your intensity, and taking all of that together and collectively and orienting it towards Jesus. The picture that comes to mind is of this, all these different arrows, kind of all these different aspects of who I am, the things that I do and the things I have the ability to do, all kind of pointing at the cross. It's all focused on him. It's all oriented towards him. Have you ever put yourself totally and completely into some kind of project or accomplishing some kind of goal? Like where it just, it just took over your life. Have you ever done that before? For me, it's almost clear when I was in seminary. Jen and I had been married for maybe four or five years. And I was always kind of a hard worker. But when I went into seminary, I was doing something slightly different. See, I felt like I had to prove something. I'd always been kind of a slacker student for my whole entire life. I, I really had never really applied myself to, to, to learning or anything like So I felt like I had to prove that I was going to be the best student. I was going to graduate with a 4.0. That was, that, was, that was my dream. And I had this, this goal in mind, something I was going to prove. And so, so here's what I did. I took the money that I had and I invested it in school. I took the physical energy that I had and I invested that in learning. I lost sleep. I stayed up many, many nights. Every paper and every test that I ever, I ever took or every paper that I, I turned in, I pulled an all-nighter. I lost incredible amounts of sleep for, for this. I gave up lots of mental capacity in order to memorize things and try to wrestle with ideas and put them to paper. I, I put all of myself in there. I actually sacrificed lots of relationships and spending time with people all towards this goal. It was an all-encompassing kind of thing. It completely took me over. Every ounce of energy I had went into this. And it was one of those things where I didn't really notice it. 
uh, because it just kind of took over until one day Jen pointed out, pointed out to me, she's like, hey, I don't, I don't think I know who you are. I've never seen this part of you before where you're just so completely devoted to this one thing. And the truth is that it actually was a little bit unhealthy at the time. So not holding that up as a model of how we should pursue a goal. But what I'm saying is, I think that the way that we're meant to pursue loving God is very similar. Where all of our time, all of our resources, all of our energy is all oriented around him. If there's one thing that is worth pursuing like that, it's Jesus. That's why King David, all the way back in the Old Testament, when he writes the Psalms, would say, there is one thing that I seek. There's one thing I'm going after. And everything in my life is oriented around that one thing. To love God with all of your strength is to love God with every single aspect of of who you are, every resource that you have, not just compartmentalized, not just loving God here and loving God here, but it all kind of converging on Jesus the King, where you're able to forsake everything else. And this is the call that Jesus has for us as disciples. He tells his disciples over again, unless you're willing to leave it all behind, it's going to be really hard for you to come and follow me. I think this is the kind of love and devotion that what it really means to love God with all of our strength is that my mind, my heart, my body, my resources, my money, all of I say, God, whatever it takes, I will invest it in the kingdom of God. I will invest it in you. That's what it means to love God that way. He's the one thing that everything in our life is meant to revolve around. The intensity, the muchness of my life is meant to be oriented around who he is. And that's what it means for you as well. And look, I realize that that's a really high calling. I realize right now that for some of you are like, yeah, you might be right, but I don't know that I can do that. You're thinking about all that it would cost you, all that you would have to give up. What would it mean for my marriage? What would it mean for my kids? What would it mean for my career? What would it mean for my dreams about this if I actually really did that? What would, it, what would I have to give up? You know what Jesus tells us? To count the cost. So you're doing exactly what Jesus says. Count the cost. See if it's worth it. See if it's worth it to, to take up your cross and follow me. To basically lay down all that who you are, all who you are, to come and experience all that I am. And here's what Jesus, I think, would say is it's worth it. It's worth it because he promises over and over again that whatever we give up for his sake, we will get back and it's even better. doesn't mean we'll get it back kind of exactly this thing for that thing, but what we will get in him will far outweigh whatever it is that we have to leave behind. Promise you that everything that you devote completely to Jesus, that you give over to him completely, is so much better than you holding on to it yourself. Remember that Jesus' words are that if we love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and with all of our strength, that that is how we inherit eternal life. His heart and his desire for you and I is that we get to experience what it looks like to truly live. And right now, over our culture and around the world, there are people chasing all different kinds of things, trying to truly live. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not life. True life is found completely and totally in me. 
And if you want to really live, you'll learn how to give more of yourself to me. You'll learn how to love me with this part of you. You'll learn how to love me with this part of you so that eventually everything that you have is oriented around me. There's a song that I, I'm even thinking about it. I'm getting, I'm getting like teary, like you're like, oh yeah, Chael, of course you are. The song called Obsession, which came out, I think probably in the late 90s by a band called Delirious. It's this worship song. And I cannot listen to that song without having a deep encounter with God. I can't do it. Because it's so much the sum of what I think life is supposed to be. That he is this beautiful kind of obsession. Not an evil kind of obsession, but the thing that consumes my life. The thing that, that I want my life to be taken up with. And I think that that's God's heart for us. And guys, I'm not saying this because I've gotten there. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not there at all. There's continually different ways where God's saying, Hey, this is an area of your life you've been holding back. I want you to love me with this. I want you to love me with this. And the more I do that, the more I'm discovering God's love. The more I realize I'm opening myself up to understand the depths of his love. The more I understand how, the more I'm I'm diving into understanding more of his grace. And I think that's the invitation for you as well. So today, as, as I kind of bring it here to a close, what's standing out to you? Maybe there's an aspect of your life that you know that God has been working on, that you know he's been saying, hey, this is an area I want you to give over to me. And so maybe as I've been talking, there's a specific way that you feel like God is asking you to give him all of this, to love him with all of your finances or to love him with all of your extra leisure time or to love him with some talent that you have. You know that God is prodding your heart. Well, let's just let that be the starting point. Love God with that. Let's start there. Give him all of that. Whatever you're capable of doing, give it to him, to his glory. Or maybe, as I'm talking here and kind of bringing it to a close, you're recognizing, gosh, I feel like I've been compartmentalizing my love for God my whole life. And I'm so tired of doing that. I'm so tired of just kind of having a toe in the water. I'm ready to dive all in. Well, let today be the day. Or you make a decision, God, I will give you everything I have. I will pursue you no matter what the cost. Today can be the day that changes the rest of your life when you don't hold anything back and you offer it all to him. Say, Jesus, I just want to give you everything I have. I love you and I want all that you have for me. So I'm giving you all of me so that I can have all of you. Let that be what happens today. Jesus, I pray that today, you would draw hearts and minds to you to truly understand what it means to love you with all of our strength. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your sweet, gracious invitation would be so loud and clear in people's minds. It's undeniable how much they are loved and pursued. And I pray, God, that you would remind people today that your grace on the cross, that your blood covers a multitude of sins. There's no one today who's too far gone, whose life is unredeemable, but Lord, instead you have loved them. It's because of the mercy you've already shown, God, that we can respond to you at all. So today, bless my friends and help them to walk in love with you. In your name, Lord. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, 
or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.